Welcome to What Should I Do With My Life? Figuring it out from those who seem to have it all figured out. I'm your host, Stephanie Horowitz. When's the last time you stopped and asked yourself, what am I doing with my life? Why am I doing this? Do I even like this? Join me as we hear the inspiring stories of real people to find out what they did and are doing with their lives. Are they satisfied? Would they have done anything differently? Maybe through these stories, we will figure out how to bring more meaning and passion in our day-to-day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited for you to meet my good friend, Sarah Claiborne Avrahami. The story is a bit different than the ones you heard before, where we spoke to some folks who've basically been in the same industry for 40 plus years. Sarah's an entrepreneur who really lives and breathes her passions. She's a wanderer, a risk taker, and has so many amazing ideas and puts them into action. And a huge element in her career and life is being able to travel and work remotely. She especially has great advice for people who are thinking to start their own initiatives or ventures and who are interested in location-independent jobs, which I guess at this point most of us are interested in. So here's Sarah. Sarah, I'm so happy to have you here today. Thanks, Steph. It's great to be here. We talked a bit about this, and now it's actually becoming a reality, so it's really exciting. It's amazing to see you putting your venture in action. Oh my God, I feel like you. You're my inspiration, and that's literally what we're talking about today. Today is really a different conversation than I've had until now with other folks. Basically, our parents' generation was really about working in the same industry or the same career for 30, 40 years. And today we are in a totally different place and you you and what you do exemplify that. And I'm just really excited to hear. So in a sentence or two, can you just tell me a bit about what you do or the essence of you as a working individual? So it's, I think with my career, one of the things that's the most challenging is it's hard to say what I do because I'm like a generalist in so many different things and I have so many different interests and I like to sort of put all these different things together and combine them on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis. So it makes it even more complicated. So I struggle with that question a lot. But if I had to sort of put together what I do, I'm an entrepreneur. I work in organizational consulting and I'm a project manager, and I have some marketing background. So you can see that I have a lot of different um, interests and focuses. So like packaging those all into one is, is one of the challenges that I faced with my career path. Totally. And I think that's something that so many of us are obviously looking to do, to bring in the interests and the different passions into what we are doing every day and hopefully trying to make a profit off of it so we can live off of it. And I was thinking when I was thinking about you and you really are kind of a serial entrepreneur and always have so many different ideas. I was thinking Sarah probably takes so many showers because people joke that you get your best ideas in the shower. And while some people struggle to like find what is that million dollar idea, your problem is you have so many ideas that you need to choose which one do you actually act on. Exactly. Yeah. I have like a running document that's filled with ideas and I'm always like sending myself emails with ideas and then organizing them in this one document. So if I look back at it, it's like a history of everything I've thought about over the past, you know, How six, long? Years, six years since I started the document, you know, and I have a little bit about like where this idea came from and who did I talk about it with? You know, maybe I talked about it with one of my brothers and we kind of, spitballed on it. And some of the ideas, you know, I moved forward with some of them, I didn't even touch ever. And I totally forgot about them. So when I look back at it, I'm like, Oh, that was a good idea. And then others, 
are just sort of there for me to come back to maybe in the future. It's, it's a free for all. But it's so smart. You have them all in one place. So I have a bajillion questions for you. I'm not going to be able to ask them all, but we're going to try. When did you realize that you were not going to have the traditional nine to five career path that you were going to be doing something different? I think it started in college. I went to the University of Miami in Florida, and that's where I got a lot of my first sort of real leadership experience, leading a team, doing project management, executing things, finding creative ways to make things happen. And I worked on a couple different projects. It was like running your own little mini business within the network of, of the college and the different sort of activities you could do outside of class. Um, and that's really where I got my learning about leadership and entrepreneurial ventures. Um, and also it's where I got my confidence that I could do it. Because once I saw I could lead a team of 15 people to reach our goals, that was like sort of everything clicked in. It was like, oh, wait, I can do this. And I can probably do a lot of other things too that I never thought about. The entrepreneurial spirit really seems to be in your family genes. Was this considered brave or expected of you to kind of do your own thing and venture off? I don't think it was, it's a good question. I mean, everybody in my family has some sort of creative or entrepreneurial element. Like my mom is a theater teacher. My dad has a furniture business. My little brother runs a restaurant. My older brother has a lot of ideas and worked on a couple different ones of them. And now he works in recruiting. So like we're all kind of, it, it's definitely more accepted than in, I guess, a normal family. Um, and our family revolves a lot around a business. Uh, because we all were very involved in the family business and the furniture business growing up. We, my dad would, you know, he would try to teach us all the time, different things. We would come in and learn, like if it was just, you know, from being really little and serving snacks to the customers and making them happy and smiling and passing out popcorn and that kind of thing to later, like really getting into the nitty gritty, working there in different summers and learning about the different areas that we were interested in. And even to this day, you know, my dad comes to us and talks to us about a lot of different things. So it, it really does, like when we all get together, we're always talking about ideas and it might be related to one person's ideas or the other person's idea or one business or another business, but it's always kind of this creative um, place where you can come and spill your ideas and get feedback on them. And like, I don't know if every family is like that. They're not. Every family is most definitely not like that. That's very special to your family that you're, you're like, pass the pasta. By the way, I'm thinking about launching a whatever. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Like every conversation with one of my brothers, you know, there's like somebody throws out an idea. It's like on a weekly basis, there's a new idea that somebody's thinking about and we're all kind of giving feedback on. And it's crazy. Interesting. Can you talk a bit about the first venture or the first initiative you created? What was it? And how are you brave enough to go ahead and do that? I mean, that takes courage and it's a risk. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go back a little bit further so you can understand the how I got there. I, I got, okay, so I studied at University of Miami. I came to Israel. I started my career here in Israel, and I was getting a master's degree in organizational consulting, and that's where I really wanted to focus all my, all my um, energy and time, and I was working for a consulting firm here in Israel. Really quickly after I went full-time, after I finished the master's degree and went in full-time, I realized, oh, my God, this is not for me. Maybe it was the consulting. I mean, it was, it was actually a relatively flexible environment, which makes it really funny. But I couldn't handle 
like the nine to five, the sitting in the office without necessarily doing anything productive. It just felt like a lot of, I don't know, like repetition Mm -hmm. and like I wasn't learning all the time. So I really, the thing that pushed me to take the step of actually going for the first entrepreneurial venture was really that I saw that I, this kind of lifestyle, the nine to five, the office work wasn't for me. Um, And I had had an idea that I had been thinking about for a while. And eventually I ended up taking that work with the consulting freelance and then going more pretty much full-time into the, into the idea relatively quickly. So the first venture that I worked on was, was an app. It was a startup. This was like six years ago. Um, I had two co-founders were working on a recommendation app that helped you find places that fit your style. So the concept was to help you match you to restaurants, nightlife, things to do in different places based on other people that are similar to you. So I saw sort of when I, I had been traveling a lot and I saw the need, like I would look on TripAdvisor, I would look on Yelp, but like, I didn't know who gave these recommendations. I didn't know if they were mm-hmm. like me or they were really different from me. So I wanted to create something that was more intimate and more understanding of like your own personal vibes and values and things that you're looking for so that wherever you go, you could really easily sort of fit in and find the right place and um, find places you like without having all those experiences of going somewhere and being like, eh, that wasn't for me or Mm -hmm. that just wasn't the right vibe or, you know, I didn't feel it. So then you created the app. Yeah. How did you find these co-founders? How did you know what to do? I I didn't have any idea what to do. Um, And I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I I talked to a lot of people. I think before, before I found the first co-founder, I met with like 60 different people. Mm -hmm. Some of the meetings were just, you know, like maybe this will work out. Maybe this person will be a co-founder. Maybe I'll just learn from them. Most of them were kind of with the intention to to find a co-founder because I I learned early on that it was beneficial to have a co-founder in a startup. And that would be like for emotional reasons and for the fact that, you know, if you have multiple co-founders, if one of them leaves, the startup can continue. Whereas if you're alone and you Mm -hmm. leave, then there, there goes the startup. I didn't know what to do. I just started learning. I, I joined like an accelerator program that taught me a lot. I worked from a place called WMN, which was like a entrepreneurial workspace for women that all the women were working on startups. I talked to every single person that I could potentially talk to in every realm that was relevant. Um, and many, many people gave me really good advice. Some that I listened to, some that I didn't listen to. <laughs> I had to learn the, the difficult things uh, in my own way. I mean, I wasn't, really afraid to fail back then. I didn't have like a lot of fear. I just thought like, I'm going to try this and it might work or it might not work and we'll see what happens. But I, I, I had a lot of hope that like it was, I don't know, maybe going to be easier than it really was. It, it was mm-hmm. extremely hard. And, you know, there's many things that come into play that you would have never thought about before you'd gone through that experience. So I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, everybody told me I can give you advice like this, but you're going to have to experience it yourself. And that's totally mm-hmm. what happened. It's like, you really had to, I really had to go through the process of, of learning about the entrepreneurial process, how tough it is, how, how many ups and downs there are, what it means to lose a co-founder and pick up from there. And, and then that happened again. And I mean, just the whole process, mm-hmm. you know, getting funding, the whole thing, there's many, many challenges that you wouldn't be able to understand the full extent of them until you've actually tried. What advice would you give to someone who has an idea and wants to take it to the next step, but is maybe too scared to quit their full-time job 
um, maybe feel that financial pressure or they're just scared. I mean, it is a big risk. And like you said, you kind of go into it not knowing what's going to be and you can only prepare so much because you're, you're only going to learn in real time how to deal with the things on the ground. Right. I mean, first of all, I think choosing the area of the entrepreneurial venture is extremely important because it's like, you have to be so passionate about it. I mean, I thought like the first idea, I thought I was so passionate about it. And I was, you know, for years I was working on it and I was working on it in, in different ways for, for many years. But at some point I realized, is this, is this my passion? And that's when I, it opened up the, the actual ability to leave it, which was mm -hmm. interesting because there's, I, I, if you would have asked me at the beginning of launching that venture, if I would ever have left it, I would have just said no, because I could never see that. So, I mean, the passion and having a bigger, maybe like an underlying meaning of something that is meaningful to you in your life, you already hanging out with the target audience, the users who are going to be using whatever you're creating. Um, that's really important. So I think you have to choose, like, if you just go in and you're like, okay, I, I want to create a startup. Let's do it in the interior design area. Like you better be super passionate about interior design. You can't randomly choose an area that you don't really care about because very quickly, I mean, you might, you won't be able to see it at the beginning, but later you'll see that uh, it might not be that relevant to you later, or you might not be as passionate about it later. So that's one thing I think about the financial thing. It's like, that's one of the biggest challenges in my career is like balancing the entrepreneurial things with being able to close the month and, and like working freelance to with on stuff that I may be passionate about or may not be passionate about just to fuel this sort of entrepreneurial side. Um, and I think that's like one of the biggest challenges. I've tried a couple of different things, you know, like I tried leaving freelance work completely and focusing all in on startups. Um, I've tried doing freelance work while working on startups. Um, it's just, you really have to find what works for you. I mean, everything is fluid. And I think there's also something kind of amazing about the way that taking a step pushes you to the next thing. Like for instance, when I, when I went to do Senna, which was the first app, I left the job. Eventually I, w I went freelance, but eventually I said, okay, I need to focus all in on this. So I stopped doing any freelance work and I was all in on Senna. And then after a while, when I saw it wasn't getting off the ground in the time that needed to, to get off the ground, I thought, okay, I better get some freelance work. So then I started doing this project management with another Y Combinator startup um, that originally started in Norway that led me into a totally new career path um, that was really interesting and really beneficial and really helped me grow my skills, especially my freelance skills. So it was like all client management, managing design, branding, content projects, doing content marketing. So it really helped me kind of hone my skills, especially in project management. And lear I learned so much. So even though it was kind of a negative side of my career that left me there, like the fact that I eventually needed to financially support myself and I needed to, um, like the company could have had more runway, but personally, I didn't think about my personal runway. So I needed to like get back into freelancing. And so it pushed me into something new. And that's, that's also something that probably wouldn't have happened if I didn't take the leap of leaving the previous job. So I think the message is really just kind of you always have to keep your eyes open and take the opportunities as they come because it can really lead to so much. I mean, you weren't necessarily expecting that. That's not exactly how you planned it to go, but a lot came out of it for you and your skill set and just ideas. Yeah, definitely. And that, that led me to new ideas. It led me to the remote work, which I'm really passionate about now. So it's like 
to, that led me to being able to being uh, to, to adopt like a more location independent lifestyle, which was also really important for the time. So it's like, and, and that actually led me to the, the, cur- the most current venture, which is really interesting because it's like, if I didn't take that job, that freelance gig when I needed to, I probably, I might not have gotten to the same place where I am now. And that's really interesting. You're a queen. You're just <laughs> banging the ideas out and a- acting on them. And I want to touch on that now. So the whole wanderlust, remote work, travel thing, I feel like is a core value to you also in terms of a passion of what you want to work on as well as how you live your life. I know that you did dog sitting and house swapping in Mallorca, in Beijing, in Panama, in all these different places. I feel like you're living out the passion that you're putting into the work. So I would love to just hear a bit more about that that's something so different that our parents never ever thought about or took into consideration as a factor for their jobs i mean i think when i joined that company that was doing the the project management remotely it was just such an interesting understanding to to know that you know 250 people were working all around the world remotely 24 hours a day because we're all in different time zones i mean it changed everything about how I saw productivity and how I saw work being done. And I just really saw that you can take a, take advantage of the fact that you have a remote workforce in so many ways. If it's about the time zones, if it's financial, there's really interesting ways to use a remote workforce. And I, on a personal level, I really enjoyed working remote because it gave me the opportunity to bounce around a lot more. I've been based in Tel Aviv now for 10 years, a decade. <sighs> What? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I, I always kind of had this back and forth, like between the States where my family is and um, me and my husband and I, we always kind of were feeding our little travel bug where whenever we could get out, we would get out. So once we got into remote work, it was like, wait a second, <laughs> we, we can actually do this all the time. And I think also like what's interesting about sometimes like the financial pressure, like the financial pressure of like doing it, doing it in a way that made sense and not just like going and staying at a cool hotel and like splurging on it, but rather doing the house sitting, the dog sitting, which mm-hmm. is basically where you trade some sort of skill that you have. So I would trade dog sitting for staying in somebody's cool villa in Majorca for a month and I would work remotely from there. So the fact that I could just pick up with my computer go wherever I had a cool opportunity, rent out my apartment in Tel Aviv, you know, became part of sort of who we are and, and what, what drives us to keep that kind of same working environment that's kind of freelance, kind of remote, very entrepreneurial. Um, but I think anybody can do it and there's a lot of different ways to do it. I mean, ours is sort of like always focused on having this base, which is back in Israel but having the opportunity to kind of get out whenever. And when we, ha- when we see an opportunity, um, we found ways to make it work. So last year before, before coronavirus hit, <laughs> uh, we were gone for five months out of the year in different places. We spent six weeks in Beijing. We spent a couple months in the States with family doing road trips. We were six weeks in Panama. So we were gone out of Israel for quite a long time. And we weren't on vacation, you know, we were working but we were just working in a new environment. And that's also a cool kind of way to live because you just like, when you're surrounded by all new things and you have this pattern interruption and you have this sort of, you're just doing things differently. And I think that's, that's something that's really fun for me. Definitely. Uh, And obviously 
remote work is becoming more popular even before Corona started to happen. And I think that it looks like there's going to be a kind of shift that most of us are going to be working much more from home. And then that kind of opens the doors once the sky's open and we can travel to actually do that and mix that travel and changing it up and being in a different place with the work we're doing. And I wanted to know also, first of all, I think it's amazing and fascinating. And as I, I was always so jealous when you were sending me videos of those sea turtles in <laughs> Panama, you were working, but then you would wake up super early to help rebury the turtle eggs and help them safely get to the water. I mean, just crazy stuff that you don't do every day before work starts um, yeah. on your private beach there or whatever, babysitting the dogs, dog sitting. But I know you also take the travel and nomadic element into some of your ventures that you're working on. So do you want to talk a bit about that? Once I realized once I got into the house sitting thing and I, we mostly did it for dog sitting because we really love dogs, but since we're so all over the place, we can't, we don't feel like we can have a dog. So we like, we really like spending time with dogs and taking care of dogs. That's something that's really fun for us. So seeing that we could do that in foreign places and do it for free while just taking care of a dog was like the best of every side of every world that we could ever imagine. So I, the, the house sitting concept, made a lot of sense to me as a remote worker, as an entrepreneur, um, as somebody that like has this sort of nomadic vibe all the time and wants to just go to places where I can experience new things. And, and yeah, it's like what, what you said about the turtles, for instance, it's like, in what world would I be waking up for sunrise every day and saving turtles by myself in, on a private beach in the middle of nowhere like in what world <laughs> only in this weird location independent house sitting world where where I happen to be house sitting for a woman who was like a turtle save, savior <laughs> taught me how to save turtles and and I got to see them crawling to the beach so you know it's like it's just about like being open to experiences that do expand your life like maybe they're related to your career maybe they're not but it's like I learned how to take care of turtle eggs and help them hatch and I saw them hatch like that that's cool like it's not something for my resume but it's something that I feel good about so back to the house sitting thing as soon as I realized I could have these unique experiences that were really different from my life in Tel Aviv um, I saw that there's people are open to sharing their homes especially when there's an angle for them to have something in return so it could be dog sitting it could be fish sitting it could just be watering your plants it could just be somebody there that makes sure that, you know, your house doesn't get flooded while you're abroad for six months or something. Mm -hmm. So the house sitting concept is that there's, there's no exchange of money, which makes it very easy to travel for long periods of times because your, mm -hmm. your accommodations are taken care of. Um, and the venture that I wanted to create was a house sitting concept based in the gift economy, which basically means that you can exchange any sort of goods. Um, but it's really about, just sort of sharing, sharing what you have. And like, just like I would like to share my apartment with somebody that hasn't experienced Tel Aviv and give them the best experience in Tel Aviv. Um, somebody in a random place in Mongolia wants to do that for me. And so does somebody in a random place in Italy. And having these experiences of being, even if the places are relatively remote um, or if they're in big cities, it doesn't really matter. It's all a new experience that kind of like invigorates you and makes you feel like, like this is what life is about, just having this unique experience of living somewhere new, really feeling like a local to the extent that you might even have a dog to take care of. 
um, mm -hmm. I think it's a really cool way to, to experience the world. So the concept that I was working on, um, it's called Kaya. It's paused at the moment because international travel, international travel and house sitting is kind of on hold for the moment until we get over this. But I think even after the hump of a uh, coronavirus, we may, it may even be more relevant because people might be looking for alternative ways to spend long-term periods abroad. They've, they've been working remote. They've been working from home. They're probably ready to get out as soon as they can travel again to, to do that somewhere else. And they might have more of an option to do it. And economically, like it makes it a lot more feasible to spend long-term periods abroad. A few questions. One is, how do you pick up and move on to the next venture if something doesn't work out or go as planned? I mean, you work on something, it didn't go how you thought it would go. So why do you, when do you quit? When do you, and then when are you brave enough to pick yourself up and say, all right, on to the next one. We're starting with this. Um, so that's a really good question. Like, I think one of the hardest things for me to do was like to leave that first venture. I, like I, I told you at the beginning, I would have, if you would have asked me, would I leave this venture? I never would have said I would have. I just thought I would pursue it for the rest of my life until it succeeded. But it's also, you go through a process as an entrepreneur also of understanding the environment you're in, understanding the competitors, understanding what you're up against. Um, I don't want to say it like makes you jaded, but at the same time, like what, what happened with the app was that we had focused so much energy on the technical and the technological um, creation of the app that we didn't even, I mean, we knew that the go-to-market and the marketing element was going to be hard, but we had no idea that we hadn't even hit the hardest part of what we needed to do in order to make it succeed. So I think for, for us as the co-founders, once we got to the point of realizing, okay, wait, now we have to really bring full power. And we were already, the power was already dwindling. We didn't have that much, ugh, we didn't have that much energy left for, for it after we had spent a year doing the technological stuff and, and doing all this user testing and changing things. And, you know, it was, it didn't look like we were going to be able to make it happen. Um, but still it was very hard to leave. But I, I think it's like, sometimes it's about, I don't know, other opportunities that come along. Sometimes it's about just knowing that you've given it a shot and you've, and you've tried and, and this might not be the right time. Like sometimes I've left things like the second thing that I left, which was set basically which was this apartment sharing concept, which was not related to house sitting. It was more about, you know, paying one company and being able to bounce around between apartments in different countries. That kind of morphed into what Kaya is now, the, the mm -hmm. house sitting thing. So it's, mm -hmm. it's sort of, I left it knowing that I might come back to it in a different model. And it took me a year, year and a half to, to realize what that model was. But that was also part of the process. Um, the other thing is like you can try things in very small ways before like an MVP or just doing a pilot or just testing to see if people are interested in it before you invest a lot of your time. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Everything you said is so true. And with entrepreneurs, it's really, you're hardly going to meet an entrepreneur who said, this was the idea from day one, what I'm pitching to you right now. I mean, normally it evolves so much. It goes through so many changes. So I think it's so true what you're saying and important that in order to be a successful entrepreneur, you do have to be open-minded and the things are going to change and evolve and you're going to learn and grow. And so is your idea. But I just don't want to forget to say that I think you are my first friend who I knew and a female 
who was doing this. I mean, I think for me, you were definitely a role model in terms of being someone who was not going down the conventional path. You had ideas and you were pursuing them. And you, as you said, you quit a job or you were doing part-time on the job so you could work on these ideas. And I think you really were the first person I saw do that before I started working in the startup world. I was like, this girl is a badass biatch. She is working on these ideas, making them happen, putting them out in the world. It was extremely inspirational for me. Are you kidding? I mean, to me, it's like, this is, I know I'm not built to be like an employee or some, I don't know, like sort of like a cog in the system. Like, I know that's not for me. So it's like, it feels like this is my natural path. But like, I am proud that I was able to sort of combine different things and, and make it work all these years. And like, you know, fuel, fuel the entrepreneurial stuff with freelance work and also find my place in the freelance work. And another side hustle I know you're working on is kind of, you've created a platform that lets other nomadic wanderers to share their stories, kind of this community of people and women who are working remotely and traveling and living this kind of alternative lifestyle. So I wanted to hear about that a bit more. Definitely. Yeah, so it's called Flex Lifer. Um, the concept is basically to share the stories of people who live alternative lifestyles. They could be nomadic, they could be location independent, they could be expats, they could be remote workers or freelancers, but just kind of like shining light on the fact that not everybody works the nine to five. Like nine to five is awesome. And if that works for you, do it. But if it doesn't work for you, don't feel like I have to do this. I mean, when I had my, when I had the first nine to five job, I remember calling my mom on my way home one day and just saying, is this really what life is? I actually asked her, am I going to do this for 30 years? I was so shocked and overwhelmed by it. Just the stability of doing the same thing every day and repetitiveness. And I, it made me crazy. So I just, I knew for myself that that lifestyle wasn't for me. And and now I've been exposed to so many amazing people that it also isn't for them. So on Flex Lifer, basically, it's just a simple Instagram, um, Instagram page and blog that's talking about the stories of these different people. So we have a couple of people that are nomads. Some of them are designers, writers. Some of them work remotely. Some of them work in startups. And then we have, you know, parents who choose freelance lifestyles that gives them more of an opportunity to be with their kids. We have expats that came from Canada and live in Dubai and kind of bounce around the world with their families. You know, families of like three kids and two parents that travel around the world full time and work from, from remote. Like, the, I think these are just really cool stories that seem sort of in, out of nowhere and weird and off of what we normally see, but they're really not. So that was kind of the goal of Flex Lifer is to show that a lot of people are doing things differently and and you, you can, can too. too. Yeah. And they're sharing how they did it and how they made it work and I love it. I think it's an awesome account. What is it? At Flex Lifer? Yes, at Flex. All right, follow that bad boy. Follow. <laughs> I love it. I want to know <laughs> until now what do you think has been the most satisfying moment in your working career? I don't know. I feel like particularly now I'm in such a like I'm in a very unknown moment, you know, like even because I had this whole plan of what this year was going to look like with Kaya and when we were going to launch and everything. And now it's like, I've gone back heavily to freelance and I'm trying to like 
figure out how to brand that and productize myself a little bit more in terms of focusing in on what I'm really good at. I don't know if I've had a moment that is like, I feel like I'm waiting for that moment still. Mm -hmm. And I think that's okay. Like I, I feel like even though I feel like I've done things that I'm proud of and I've learned a ton and that will help me with anything I do, I feel like the best is still yet to come. Totally. And that's what you're working towards. So that's, I guess, the big motivator. Yeah. Oh, for we sure. need this corona to end so you can <laughs> make serious moves and do the big things that you're destined to do. Totally. I hope I hope I hope it ends. Oh my god, me too. Um, I wanna know, looking back, is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now? I think one of the things that like took me a long time to learn is sort of especially if you want to go on an alternative path, you really have to figure out how to value yourself and value your time and set limits. I think for some of the, specifically the freelance and the entrepreneurial elements, like I didn't set the right limits. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd, I'd wake up at like 2 a.m., 5 a.m. to send client products. I'd work around the clock. I would, you know, for, the, for my own entrepreneurial stuff, there was like no division of anything. I would just work nonstop. Um, and burnout, baby. Yeah. Burnout. Exactly. Like, I think you just, you have to have balance. Um, you have to know how to value your time and, and feel like what you're doing is meaningful and viable for you to succeed. So now it's like, I put a lot of focus on valuing my time in terms of when I work, how I work for how much I work those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Like, I think it's really important if you want to do something alternative because it doesn't, it's not comparable to how you look at your like salary mm-hmm. and things like that as a, as an employee, you just, you have to think about it in a really different way. And, and that's, I think that's a bit of a challenge for people. And I wanted to ask, so a lot of people who are maybe trying to make a career shift or maybe they're in a job that they don't love and they're looking to find something that they do love I know a really important thing to do is to kind of sit down with yourself and write out what are my strengths? What am I good at? What do I enjoy? And I'm wondering as an entrepreneur and especially as you were starting out, did you identify those unique strengths? I think I was really motivated by like just the autonomy of like doing it myself. Um, I was motivated by learning. I knew like, okay, I don't really know how to build a product. I don't really know how to manage a technological team, especially at the beginning. I had no idea about many different things. But the first of all, I knew that the process of learning it um, and the process of getting the information and talking to experts and, and getting their opinion and, and kind of like letting all that information sink in, that was going to be fun for me. So I, I just kind of focused on that. I didn't know if it was, if it was going to succeed. I just knew that I, I was going to get a lot out of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I did in terms of like how people can figure out what they're good at. I mean, there's, there's, there's a intrinsic motivators, you know, this right. is like coming from the consulting. It's like, love, you know, I also studied organizational studies, girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that intrin- intrinsic motivation. Exactly. So like there's things that you are happening inside of you that are pushing you to, to do things and to be passionate about. And you might be aware of those or you might not. When I first mm-hmm. started working at the consulting firm where I worked at the beginning, they did this, you know, career anchors assessment of me 
and they told me what my intrinsic motivators are and they were like um autonomy <laughs> surprise and service yeah and what so like service which is service. like doing something that you feel has an impact or is totally. affecting affecting someone making the world a better place so it's like mm -hmm. a lot of times i come back to those like are these aligned with my with, with my intrinsic motivations because that really tells me like is it going to long term stay in the things that I'm passionate about. And that's kind of worked for me. And the other thing is like, I think most of it is just trying different things, especially at the beginning of your career. I would just encourage anybody to try really anything that they think might be relevant to them. And then, you know, see if it's fun for them, if they are good at it. I feel like there are two camps. They're the people who are passionate about something, but they're not working in it now. And maybe they're afraid to take that step, take that pay cut, make that shift. And then there are the people who don't know what they're passionate about and then don't know how to, they don't even know what it is. And I think that's so hard. And I really like also what you said about the personality test because um, I'm all about that Meyer Briggs personality test. And I feel like I took yeah. it many times. I always, I think by scoring, I'm an ENFJ by the way. So it's, Barack Obama, some other <laughs> stars. Uh, I think it's like very, very accurate so to my personality. So sometimes also to just kind of, I feel like once a year I go back to it and look at that and I say, okay, this really does resonate with me. Um, yeah, definitely. You have, to, you have to listen to those things for sure. Yeah, and you have to be aware. Like it's like some people aren't even aware at all of, of the things that are going on and pushing us forward, you know? In terms of the passion thing, it's like, you can always like look what you're doing with the podcast like right. this isn't your main gig you have an awesome job that you that you love and you have a career path that's going in a specific direction but you were like this sounds really interesting there's there's a gap here there's something going on people don't know who they are and what they're doing and people are identified by their careers but it might not be necessarily how they want to be identified and the generational differences, like there's something interesting here and you just went for it. Totally. I think that a lot of us really feel pressure to have really satisfying careers. I mean, obviously everyone's in a different situation and, um, and those of us who can choose what to do and what kind of career paths to take, I think we really feel this pressure that we want to be super fulfilled and we want to come home every day or if we're staying home all day at this point. <laughs> at the yeah. end of the day, we want to feel good about what we did and feel yeah. satisfied. And for a lot of us, the work has become our, our lives and it's challenging. So yeah. I think I know the answer to this question. Do you live to work or do you work to live? I think I work to live right now, but there's, there's periods of my life where I live to work. So for me, it's like, I could go back and forth between those two very fluidly, even within like a month or a year. And that's also good for me. I don't know. It's like, I really do love working. I love working on ventures, talking about ideas, you know, figuring out if those ideas are going to work, trying things. I mean, so it's hard to answer, but I think I like flow in and out. And I think that actually kind of works for me. Sure. I think it should vary. You would hope that people have something passion that they're passionate enough about that they live for to do the work. But at the same time, a big thing is that we often equate ourselves with our work and that can lead to a lot of issues. And you're, you're defining your worthiness based on your success in work. And that can be a slippery slope.
so much interesting stuff here. Oh my God. Definitely. Yeah, no, it's true. But also but like think- the timing of things I think is really like this in with coronavirus, like I had such a crazy year planned with, with launching Kaya and I had all these goals and everything, but at the same time I got pregnant and it's like, you know, like maybe this year of like, yeah, baby, baby nomad um, with this year, like coming Hold into on. play. You mean the a, nomadic nugget and your family unit, nugget. your family unit is going to be called the nomadic nugget. The nomadic nugget. I love it. I want to make a t-shirt Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that baby's going to have all the nomad gear. Um, but yeah, it's like I, thinking a lot about the fact that like this year was more restful. Um, it had less of a work focus than other years in the past. Like maybe that was good. Maybe that was what I needed. Maybe that's what, um, you know, that's what happened and that's what, mm-hmm. and that felt okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was time to focus on myself and figure out other things. And there's, there's something, you know, there's something nice about having the option to also be like, okay this is not what I thought, but it's, it's still going to be good in a totally different way. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really grateful that you took the time to talk to me today. I feel like everyone listening can learn so much from you. I think it's very encouraging to hear someone who takes the risks and goes out there and tries the ventures and you're not afraid. And one of the key messages I think is it's going to ebb and flow. You don't have to restrict yourself to a certain format or framework. Um, I think that's really encouraging to people who are looking to maybe live a more alternative lifestyle, pursue their passions in addition to instead of the current work they're in. And I'm so excited to see all the things you do and you're going to take over the world and change the world. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to be a part of it. And I hope you still bounce your ideas off me because I love when you do that. Of course I will. Cause they're just like always coming and I need your feedback. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah. I think if I can like wrap it up with something, I think it's like, I've had a lot of weird reactions to my career choices and my choices in general. And some of them have been like extremely negative. Some of them have been like, wow, that's cool. Um, some of them have been extremely positive, but it's like, you just have to be very, um, you have to be true to yourself. Not ever. You have to know yourself in a deep way to understand that some things might be relevant to you and, and some things might be relevant to other people, but that doesn't mean they're relevant to you. So if you want to do something alternative or you want to take a different career path, just the first thing you need to do with, is get there in your head that like, you know, this is the right choice for you and you're going to make it work, but that it's going to be on your own terms. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sarah. Let's do a socially distanced picnic again soon. Yes. Thanks for having me.